Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today. This sermon series that we have been using for uh, the summer has been called Better Than Normal, uh, because we, we have a, a belief that God wants us not to just go back to normal when we get to the end of the pandemic, however long that takes, uh, but he wants us to lean into a future that is even better than normal. So today we're going to be talking about living out our calling that God has placed on our lives individually and as a community. So will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for claiming us as your children and calling us to tend the earth and all its creatures. Lord, too often we make a mess of things rather than making the world better. Send your spirit upon us so that we live out your calling as your people. Use us as part of your mission to restore all things. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, we often ask that of kids when they're little, you know, and they come up with all sorts of ideas from you know, a firefighter, a police officer, uh, you know, all, all sort of astronaut, all kinds of different things. Um, when I was a kid, and, and some people, you know, they're still trying to figure that out when they're in retirement. Because <laughs> when we say, what do you want to, who do you want to be, we're usually talking about what do you want to do with your life? What do you want your job to be, your career to be? When I was a kid, my dad was a pastor, and you, I couldn't even count how many times I had people come up to me, and once they found out that my dad was a pastor, they'd say, so, are you going to be a pastor someday too? <laughs> and my usual answer was, no, I don't want to do that. That's what my dad does. I don't want to be a, a pastor. Well, you know, I came up with all sorts of other ideas of what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to be a scientist, or I wanted to be a... a an English teacher in a high school, or uh, teach at a college, or I wanted to um, be a choir director. I had all these different thoughts, but really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, when I got to college, uh, I didn't even pick a major until my second semester of my sophomore year, <laughs> and and then I kind of did a smattering of a bunch of whole bunch of different things: English and French and religion and theater and music and all these different things. It really wasn't until my senior year that I figured out direction for, uh, for a career. Um, all the way along, I'd had people telling me, even if they didn't know my dad at all, uh, I had people telling me, I see these particular gifts in you. I think you would be a good pastor just out of the blue. But it wasn't until my senior year that I figured out that was actually where God was calling me, toward seminary and then becoming a pastor. Um, and 20 years in, uh, I still love it. I still feel this is exactly how God has shaped me and what he's designed me to do. Well, today's college students may go through a number of major career changes in their life. 
The pace of change in our society and our professions keeps accelerating. Teachers and professors are trying to prepare students for jobs that don't even exist yet. On a recent 10 at 10 uh, on Facebook, I've um, talked about what is your calling? A calling from God is not just a job, but how you live. It's every part of what you do and who you are as a person. Frederick Buechner said, the kind of work that God usually calls you to is the kind of work that you need most to do and that the world most needs to have done. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Another way of saying it is that your calling is where your greatest source of joy intersects with the needs of the world. Over the years, your job may change, but your identity and your calling remains the same. You are a child of God. That is your identity. And you are called to follow Jesus wherever he leads. For 2020, our deacons discerned a word for our congregation uh, that has been kind of a touchstone for us over the course of the year, and it's the word called. And so we've been exploring this year the question, what is our calling as the people of God? Over the centuries, God has called people in many different ways, individually and as a community of faith. And God's children have always had trouble living out their God-given responsibilities. Today, I want to highlight three of those callings. Uh, First of all, the calling to tend the earth that God gave to Adam and Eve in the very beginning, uh, to tend it so that it becomes better. Secondly, to come out of Babylon, which came to represent all of the forces of sin and injustice and death. We are called to turn away from those things and turn back to God. And when we turn, we turn not only back to God, but back to God's kingdom mission. We are to live like the kingdom of heaven is already here on earth. So first of all, to tend the earth. The book of Genesis that Brad read a little bit from the beginning of today describes God's work of creation. In fact, the word Genesis simply means beginning. It's how God started everything. And there's this beautiful rhythm to that opening poem of Genesis. Uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be um, fish in the sea, And there was. And at the end of each little cycle, at the end of each day, God looks at everything that he's made, and it was good. And at the end of the sixth day, God looked at everything that he had made, and it was very good. I think it's really interesting that the Bible says that God made the world very good. Not perfect, Because if you change something that is perfect, you make it imperfect. 
not as good. But something that's been created very good can still be made better. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the earth and to make it flourish, to make it more fruitful. You know, a little bit later in Genesis there, it says, uh, be, you know, God, God's instructions to Adam and Eve were, be fruitful and eat, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, we usually think of ruling as like having an iron fist and being in control and shaping everything and, you know, everybody's got to, you know, do what I tell them to do. But the original sense of that word in the Hebrew for ruling is more of a a cultivating, a helping make more fruitful. The responsibility of a king was to watch over his people, to rule them in such a way that they flourished as a nation. They looked to their leaders to be the ones that helped them grow and become who they were meant to be. Adam and Eve were set in the garden to make it better. But too often... We have made creation worse. We've exploited the earth for our own purposes. We've polluted the land, the water, and the atmosphere in this mad dash for profit and comfort. We've caused the extinction of countless creatures. And we've filled the world with suffering, pain, and injustice. Now, it's tempting to place the blame on others, to point at our ancestors or those in power and say, they're the ones who are causing all the trouble in the world. But we can't just point our fingers at other people because we're all in this together. Every one of us has to take a long look at the man in the mirror or the girl in the glass and make a change. When the people of Israel turned away from God, He sent prophets to warn them that they would suffer the consequences of their actions. God called Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and many others to confront the people and their leaders. The prophets declared that God would not tolerate their worship of false gods, their misplaced trust in their wealth and power, or their rebellion against God's good and gracious rule. Even though their ancestors had been slaves for centuries in Egypt, when the people came into the land of their own that God gave to them, they mistreated the poor and the vulnerable. They exploited the the foreigners living among them. Racism and injustice that we've been hearing about so much in recent months have a long history. Well, there were consequences for what the people did. God allowed Jerusalem to fall. He sent the people into 70 years of exile in Babylon. They experienced the fallout of their rebellious ways. But God didn't abandon his people. He went with them. He sustained them, and he 
brought back a remnant. The prophets promised that Babylon too would get what was coming to them, that they would fall because they trusted in themselves. Eventually the Persians swept in, conquered Babylon, and they allowed the Israelites to go back home to Jerusalem. And so this this second call that I want to talk about today is to come out of Babylon. Ezekiel told the people, come out of her, my people, and never go back again. Don't return to your rebellion against God. Don't take advantage of the poor and the needy among you. Live in such a way that you live out the covenant that God has given to you. Unfortunately, the people didn't follow God for very long. They went back to their rebellion. They went back to their old ways. And that pattern has continued to this day. Now, we are just as likely to fall off the wagon of what God wants in our lives. And the, the word Babylon came to represent any nation or culture that exalts itself above God. It represents all of the forces of evil, injustice, violence, and exploitation. Many years after Babylon had fallen, John had a vision, a revelation that was given to him of what was yet to come. And that's the last book in the Bible. And in his day, the superpower who was in charge of Israel and all the surrounding area was the Roman Empire. But when John wrote about Rome... He used the word Babylon because it is kind of the, the archetype of any rebellious civilization or society. And his message was the same as Isaiah's and Ezekiel's and Jeremiah's. Repent, turn back to God, live out your true identity and calling. When we return to God, we also return to God's kingdom mission. God sent Jesus to live out our calling to the fullest because we had done such a terrible job at it ourselves. Israel was blessed to be a blessing, but instead they tended to hoard the blessing for themselves. And we do the same thing. And so Jesus, as he began his ministry came into his hometown, Nazareth, and went into the synagogue, as he normally did, and they asked him to read. Ah, hometown boy, come back home. Here, why don't you read the scripture for us today? And they handed him Isaiah. Well, he knew exactly where to go. He unrolled it to the part of Isaiah that declared God's kingdom mission that Jesus took on for himself. He read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
and he rolled up the scroll and sat down to teach. Everybody was looking at him. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the one who's come to set things right, Jesus declared. His mission is to heal, to forgive, to cast out demons, to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom, and to call people to repent and rediscover their true identity and calling. Jesus absorbed all of the pain and suffering that this world can dish out when he went to the cross for us. He took all of our sin with him to the grave and left it there. God raised him up from the dead. When Mary Magdalene saw the risen Jesus outside the tomb, she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. But then he called her by her her true name and sent her out to tell others about him. Christ is the true gardener, the one who has come to restore the garden, to restore the world. The reading we heard today from Revelation 22 talks about the renewal of all things when Christ returns. It describes the river of the water of life flowing down from God's throne. And everywhere it flows, the land flourishes. Along the banks of the river grow the tree of life. And John says, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is in the new creation. In God's new creation, there will still be work to do. There will still be healing to be brought. God calls us to be a part of his kingdom mission today and forever. God needs workers in all of his fields. Right where you are, God calls you to tend the earth and its creatures, especially the people around you. He calls you to help your neighborhood, your family, and anyone in need to flourish. In order for that to happen, you have to come out of Babylon. God calls you to recognize and resist the forces of sin and suffering, injustice and death in our society and in our own hearts. He calls you to return to his kingdom mission, to seek after his desires for your family, your community, and your world. God has planted you where you are for a reason. Your job may change, your role may change, your career may change, but your identity and your calling never change. You are a child of God. You are called to point people to Jesus and make the world better. So who are we going to be when we grow up as the children of God? Paul writes about it a little bit in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So may you grow as you tend the earth and all its creatures. May you continually turn back to God, rejecting anything that leads to injustice and suffering. May you live a life worthy of your calling, joining Jesus in his mission to restore the world, starting right next door. Amen.